0: last week we started talking about pressing in the choice to persevere and so that that's what I, we, I had planned to talk about tonight but about an hour 90 minutes ago the Lord I mean we still don't go that direction but he gave me something a little different but you know that's okay all right that's okay we always don't want to we never want to let our best laid plans uh uh override what God has for us to do. All right. So what I want to do tonight, I'm going to share a word with you that the Lord gave me. And then I'm going to share with you two or three things that he said. And then I am going to get out of your way. All right. So. uh, So, yeah, so it'll be in line with pressing in and persevering. But it is a word that he is given for tonight. All right. So let's roll, guys. Uh, Let's roll. Uh, and as we talk tonight, I pray that my prayer is that you see yourself in the word. The prayer is not that you identify other people, but that you say, okay, God, where am I in this? And how am I going to produce? which you've called me to produce. How am I going to get there? How am I going to maintain perseverance? How am I going to maintain endurance? How am, how am I going to keep patience emplo- employed so that patience may cause me to be perfect and entire lacking nothing? All right. So here's the word that the Lord gave me for us tonight. All right. Uh, I guess I could have, and, and I apologize, you won't see much in, I mean, Pastor Chris may be able to copy and paste part of it, but I don't have it on the screen. Here, here it is. There are premises that I have for you. I want you to possess those things now. I don't want you wandering and wanting. I don't want you being satisfied with small daily provisions when I have prepared a land of abundance for you. Press into my word and persevere. Don't allow contradictory facts to distract you from my promise. When earth and all that you observe with your eyes passes away, my word will remain. Build on that. Make my word the foundation for all that you do. From my word, all things come into existence. My word is the anchor. Make it your anchor. You may experience a storm. The earth may appear not to be aligned to the promise, but don't be discouraged and don't get dismayed. Persevere. You will not be destroyed. Victory is your birthright if you choose to endure. And dear, uh, whatever, you know what I'm saying. There are things in your family I have wanted uh, destroyed for generations Progress has been made, but I have not encountered a man to fully trust my abilities to deliver, heal, and bring liberty. Will you be that remnant? Will you be the person who denies self, crucifies flesh, and lives in the world while being a fully functional member of heaven? It is my desire to break in the earth everything that has already been broken in heaven, and I need you to press in. Your perseverance is bigger than this moment. It is bigger than fasting for a week. It's bigger than tithing your vacation money. It's bigger than denying your fleshly desires. Your destiny destiny is depending on your perseverance. It is depending on you employing patience and letting her have her perfect work. Your perseverance today will bring deliverance to generations to come. There are people waiting on you to become what I have said. There are people waiting on you to occupy the land I have called you to attend. They are looking, but you are not in place. The kingdom needs your obedience so premises can manifest. Be disciplined, engage obedience and operate in faith. Each level your faith brings you to puts the generation behind you further ahead. Don't let your selfish acts of today destroy your children's tomorrow. End the curse now. The enemy will work diligently to distract you. He knows he he is powerless and he knows that you will win. Therefore, he uses manipulation, your ignorance, distractions, your senses and your very own desires against you. He attempts to persuade you to surrender the very thing he has always desired, my image and my likeness. So stand strong, press in, and persevere by painting my premises upon the canvas of your soul. Stare at my premises until the realities of earth are drowned by the vision I have laid upon your heart. This vision, my word and promises will be the wind behind you, the energy within you and the power that works through you. As you press in and persevere, your faith will bring manifestation and the earth will hear and see the echo of all that you have believed if you faint not. Hallelujah. And so let's go through that real quick. So... First of all, I was just sitting there. I think it was at the point April was talking to me, something was going on with Aiden, or whatever. And the Lord said, Tell, I mean, basically, don't be like the children of Israel. He's like, there are some things I want to get to you, Ralph. There are some things I want to get to the people right now, not later. There are promises that are already supposed to be in the earth manifested now, but I don't have anybody willing to stand in long enough to see it come through. He says, there are things in families that have plagued families for generations, that have plagued uh, institutions for generations. He says, I am looking for a man that's willing to persevere, who's not willing to look at what's in their faith, uh, face, face earthly wise, and let those contradictories deter them from what I've already said. It says, when earth and all that you observe with your eyes passes away, he says, my word will still remain. He says, build on that, right? That's uh, the word of God must be our anchor for everything that we do. It says, don't grow discouraged and don't be dismayed by what you observe with your eyes. And, and i can't remember the prophecy or something a couple of years ago it said that exact same thing it says that said that it said don't 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 get distracted or or knocked off by what you observe with your eyes right god will see us through and this is one that really got me and this is what i know he was talking to me personally about he says there are things in your family i have wanted to destroy for generations He says some progress has been made, but I have not encountered a man to fully trust my abilities to deliver, to heal and bring liberty. He says, will you be that remnant? Will you be the person who's willing to fast as long as you need to fast? Will you be that person who's willing to give as much as you need to give? Will you be that person who's willing to cut off the TV, who's willing to go not go out, who's willing to sacrifice vacation? Will you be that person who, who pushes in and perseveres and gives up uh, things that they think they may need in order for curses to be?" broken that has plagued generations after generations after generations will you press in and that's why he says it's bigger than fasting it's it's bigger than will you let the cake destroy your destiny will you let the desire for sex totally uh, uh, derail the promises of God? Will you let your pride and your, your sense of arrogance and your desire to always tell people how you feel and not be quiet to cause you not to experience God's best? Will you do that? And so after that, this is where he led me. And we'll go over this and i mean honestly that's that's all we're doing tonight exodus 13 verses 17 it says this it says when pharaoh had let the people go god did not lead them by the way of the land of the philistines even when that was nearer hold on let me put that in the chat for you there you go it's exodus 13 verse 17 when Pharaoh had let, let the people go, God did not lead them by the way of the land of the Philistines, When even when that was nearer. For God said the people may change their minds when they see war and return to Egypt. So God led the people through the desert to get to the Red Sea. The people of Israel went, went out of the land of Egypt ready for war. So you got the word that God gave us, which was a parallel with the children of Israel, right? Because the children of Israel, I mean, they they understood deliverance. They had seen God perform miracles. They had seen God do those things. But yet in a time of deliverance and a time on their way to the promise, they wasn't willing to persevere. They, they just, they wasn't willing to press in. And though they got to a place where they almost got into the land, they didn't experience it because they failed to believe. And so that's not what we want to be at. We don't want to be a people who gets part of God's goodness and they got the pillar of fire and they got the cloud by day. They got some things, right, because God was just gracious to them for that. But they didn't get to experience the fullness of the premise because they chose not to believe. They chose not to press in. And so that's where we're going to hang our hat as uh. For the rest of the night, it says, God doesn't always do things the way you think is best. So he had done all the things with Moses, I mean, all the plagues that came through, and now they're on their way out. And in verse 17, it says, When Pharaoh had let the people go, God did not lead them by the way of the land of the Philistines, even when that was nearer. There is a way that God, that seems like the better way, it's faster it's quicker, it's less traffic, it's the road most traveled, all of those things. That's what the Egyptians were thinking. They're like, well, this certainly got to be the way that God sends us, right? I mean, that's what we're doing. But God says, I didn't want to go that way. Why? The people may change their minds when they see war. There's a way that seems right unto man, but the end thereof is destruction. God didn't lead the children of Israel that way out of the land because even though it was near, because he knew what was in their heart. There are things tonight that God has asked you to do. They don't make good sense to you, but God sees your heart. He knew that the children of Israel, if he would have taken them that route, that they would have seen war and that war would have caused them to to cave in. That war would have caused them to quit. That war would have caused them to return back to Egypt or return back to bondage. There are things God is asking you not to do. There are places God is asking you not to go. There are people God is asking you not to get involved in. And yes, it's people you like. Yes, these people seemingly have nothing negative towards you and are just good. Gen- Uh, good people, but God has asked you, not to go in their direction. God has asked you not to go in the direction of that job. God has asked you to do this thing because he knows deep down in your heart that doing so will cause you to go back to bondage. So many people can't persevere because your disobedience to God positions you in a place to return back to your vomit. God is asking you to go a certain direction because he knows what's already in. In your heart. And he knows that if you date this person, then sooner than later, you'll be laid down on your back receiving seed of a man that's not your husband. But because you think that he's just a good guy, he go to church, he a pastor, it doesn't matter. God knows what's in your heart. So, because he knew what was in the heart of the children of Israel, the Bible says when Pharaoh had let the people go, God did not lead them by the way of the land of the Philistines, even when that was nearer, even when it was convenient, even when it was comfortable, even when it saved gas, even when it was less time consuming, even when it required less patience. For God said, the people may change their minds when they see war and return to Egypt, which signifies bondage. So God is trying his best. No, let me rephrase. God is doing his best to keep you from bondage. But every time you choose a direction contrary to what God has called you to take, then you open yourself up for your heart to cause you to return back to bondage. Why? Because what will happen is, once they saw war, dismay would have settled in. Once they saw war, discouragement would have settled in. Once they saw war, despair would have settled in. Once they saw war, defeat would have settled in, and they would have just been like, "Let us go on back to slavery," and then we would justify the slavery because at least at slavery, I was, I felt safe. Why? A lot of us experience bondage because you're more comfortable with bondage than you are with freedom and so many people you don't want to choose god because i trust bondage more than i trust god i trust poverty more than i trust god see i know how to navigate poverty i grew up poor i know how to stretch the money i know how to pay rob peter to pay paul i'm more comfortable with poverty than I am trusting God. I have more trust established with sickness. I know how to manage the medications. I know how to go from doctor to doctor. I have more experience than that than navigating my freedom because I haven't been around that way or that way is not what? Convenient. It's not what I've known because you haven't spent time with God. And see, the reality is if we're honest with ourselves, we are not moving, not because God can't be trusted, is that we'll spend more time in a familiar situation and trusting how to navigate that than trusting a God that can bring us out. All right, so let me keep going. So he knew what was near and dear to their heart. So he planned a better path of escape. God is always planning a better path of escape. He is always planning a better path of escape. Once again, don't make the Jeremiah. I think no, I just went blank. Um, uh, anyway, the man who anyone who makes his flesh their arm, uh, I mean, you're gonna fail. I forgot, I just went blank on that one, but anyway anytime i make flesh my arm anytime i make flesh my foundation make that the thing i rely on i'll always experience failure i'll always experience failure so that was the first thing god doesn't always do the things you the way you think is best but his way is always best even if i don't understand his way is best even if nobody else in my family has done that, his way is best. I mean, some of you, I thought it was Jeremiah seventeen five. Some of you are robbing yourself of liberty because you are letting your family traditions outrank God. I, big mama went to that church. Uh, her mama went to that church. Her grandpa went to that church. And everybody who went to that church still suffer from the same sickness, same ailments, Same poverty, same everything, but you're so committed to everything your family has done that God has been calling you to a different house of worship, God's been calling you to a different place to lay your uh to to have your membership, God has been calling you to something different. But the tradition of your family causes you to go to a church that's powerless, the tradition of your family causes you to participate in rituals that's powerless, and so you let the traditions of things that you've seen go on, cause you to live a life that's without power because you just want to obey God. Why? Because you're more familiar with the way things have been done. That's so good. It's bunded, your friend. It's bunded, your friend. All right. So second thing, God is asking you to do it a certain way because he already knows what you can take. He already knows what you can take. He already knows what you can afford. He already knows that. And so he is saying, hey, do it this way because I already know what's in your heart. It's like, Ralph, God sees the blind spots, right? He sees the blind spots. So he's able to know the depths of our heart. He's able to know all the fleshly yearnings we have. He's able to know every situation everything that's going to happen in every aspect of time and so god plans out a path for us that's what he says i know the plans that i have towards you says the lord right he knows all those things all right so he tries to give us a better way so why because he knows that what we can take first corinthians 10 and 13 says it this way there's no temptation uh has overtaken you except what is coming to man Uh, and God is faithful, he will not let you be tempted. That word tempted there means tested or tried beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, uh, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. God already knows what you can handle. So when we do it God's way, then there's nothing that we encounter that we are not already equipped to endure and overcome. There's nothing that we encounter that we're not already equipped to both endure and to overcome. He has already promised us the victory. But the problem is when you go take your own path, you take yourself outside the will of God. You take yourself into situations that... Um, you, you don't belong and you're not equipped for it. Now, God being faithful has sent Holy Spirit that in every situation, then we can call on Holy Spirit to come and help us. But the problem is you found yourself in a bed that didn't belong to you. And then you now are wondering why you got there because here's the thing, the enemy wants you to get comfortable with your sin. Because if he allows you to get comfortable with sin, then he can lull you to sleep to the point that he gets you to your biggest stage. And on your biggest stage, then he activates the thing that's meant to destroy you. He wants you to get comfortable with sin. Because if I can use, I'm going to mess with some folks. I don't care what you think about me. But if I can get you to set use grace the enemy is rejoicing because if i can get folks to use grace to say that god's grace is going to take care of every one of my sins and that allows me to live any kind of way that's a tactic of the enemy to get you comfortable it gets you comfortable because at at some point then you no longer even feel bad about disobeying god you no longer even get a conviction you don't even lo- no longer hear holy spirit about disobeying God. Now, I don't have time tonight and I'm not going to go into all the things that uh, the enemy did when, when he was talking to Eve and got her to exercise her pride because that's what the enemy does. He, he comes in conniving Because the Bible says we're drawn away by the lust of our own heart, right? So that you get, you're giving the enemy an end. Now, every, I mean, the enemy throws things at your way just if you catch it. I mean, you know, like all kinds of stuff. Like, "Mm, I'm just gonna throw this out here and catch it, right? But if if you don't like burgers, then you probably when he throw you a hamburger, for example, you won't bite. But if your thing cheesecake, when he throw you that cheesecake. Um, for me, like a turtle cheesecake, caramel and chocolate and the pecans on it. Right. With that good old thick crust, uh graham cracker tr- crust. Like I, I want to bite that. Right. So he's going to throw. St- Why? Because from my own heart in my own heart, that's something I desire. And he threw me the thing I desire. But if God said, don't take a bite, I got to be willing to trust God more than I do my taste buds. Cause you tr- you act on the thing you trust the most. You act on the thing you desire the most. Because even Jesus, when he was about when he was in the garden, and he asked the Father, "Can there is there any other way?" And when the Lord said there was no other way he loved God so much that even though it wasn't his will in that moment, he laid down his will and whatever the Lord's will is became the will of Jesus. Same thing with Mary. Mary's like, how, Father, how will I have a baby? I've never been with a man. How would this occur? And G- and, and, and Gabriel, the angel said unto her, the, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and you will have a child. All Mary said was, I desire God so much that whatever your will is father let it become is my will now and that's the same thing jesus did but so many times we eat the cheesecake why because our will to fit our will to feed our flesh is greater than the will to please god because food is our Lord that's why you like oh I can't I can't go without a Coke I can't go without that fasting isn't about moving God fasting is about putting your flesh and check so that you may clearly hear from God. Fasting helps you align with what God has already done for your life. And so, an, an inability to go without food, an inability to go without coffee, an inability to go without TV, an inability to go without filling the blank just shows you what's really Lord over your life. And anything, and there can only be one Lord. You're not gonna have two masters, right? You're not going to have two masters. So either P-Valley and watching TV instead of praying going to be your Lord, or you're going to go get in there and pray, right? You only going to have one. And so we got to choose. Why? because we understand that's why he wants us to meditate on his word day and night that's why he wants us to observe to do according to everything there that's written there in that's why he wants us to renew our mind that's why he says creating us a clean heart right that's why he's telling us let this mind be in you that was also in christ jesus he is telling us all that So that when we get into trials, when we get into tests, then we're not concerned because our God being faithful will never allow us to enter a situation in which he has not already brought us deliverance. But when I don't trust God enough, the failure to trust God is by default an embracement of failure because i can't succeed without god even if success looks like even if the, it does look like success in the natural you don't succeed in the kingdom without god even if it looks like success in the natural even if you making more money even if it appears that the marriage is better why because when i do it god's way it is complete It is whole, and it's not grievous. But see, when you do it your way, your way is going to cost you, right? Your way is going to cost you something. Your marriage may be whole, but then you're sick. Your job may not be going well. Your marriage and your job may be going well, but then you're sick in your body. Because when you're trying to do things out of the flesh, you are not able to be all knowing. So you're you're not able to encompass all situations. You're not able to know all the robots and the things ahead. You have no navigation when you operate in flesh, because flesh is finite and it cannot see into the future. So all the decisions you're making are predicated based off experiences from the past where God is giving you direction that not only understands the past, it understands the present, but it also has the ability to see into the future. So God's way is always best because it encompasses every scenario that could ever play out where your flesh only encompasses the past and the present and because you're finite you're not even seeing all of those situations in 360 degree viewpoints so we gotta understand that god will take care of us all right we cannot go ahead and make this confession say i will not get comfortable with sin i will not get comfortable with sin that's why you need a good team around you right holy ghost field hearing from God team around you who won't let you get comfortable with sin. You need people, some of y'all don't want friends because you don't want people to be able to call you out. You wanna be able to do shady. You wanna be able to do the things you wanna do. You go befriend those people that are already doing like things because you want them not to say to you what you are already doing. You don't wanna be held accountable. That's why you don't come to church. You don't wanna be held accountable. But then you want the church to always come and rescue you out of every situation. When your situation won't be present, it won't be presenting itself in front of you if you just come and listen to the things that the people got to say. But We'll talk about that in a moment. All right. So we got to understand we, the enemy wants to, you to get comfortable with sin. He is patient in his instruction. He will wait until you are at your highest to implement the strategy strategy he planted years ago. See, see, he got you to start liking uh he planted the seed in your youth right he planted a seed in your youth and in your youth you it it showed up here it showed up there then it went away it showed up here it showed up there then it went away then you got to college you saw it a little bit but then it went away now you married you got three kids you're the ceo of the company but you never dealt with that seed that he planted now that thing pornography, now that thing, lying, now that thing, some petty theft, now those things that you never dealt with, now the enemy got you at a platform where you're at your tallest, you're at your highest, you're at your apex, at the peak, and now he uses the very thing that you chose not to deal with to bring you down because you never took the time to hear God when he said to let go of the curse thing. But no, I love this family tradition. Let go of the cursing. thing. No, but I love going to this church. Let go of the accursed thing. No, but I love Johnny or Susie. Let go of the accursed thing. What's the accursed thing? Anything that God told you that's not yours. But can that be a church? Absolutely, that could be a church. Can that be a person that's good? Absolutely, it could be a person that's good. Can it be a great job? Absolutely, it could be a great job. Anything that God told you to let go of it becomes an accursed thing. So that's why we gotta really say, God, help me to love what you love and hate what you hate. Because there's nothing in life that's worth my relationship with God. There is nothing in life that's worth my relationship with God. So I got to be willing to let go. That's why I got to deal with sin when sin occurs, I gotta repent. I gotta allow the Holy Spirit to correct me. I gotta allow my brothers to call me out. I gotta I gotta rely on my church to be a support system. I gotta be open and not allow proud to make me th- pride to let make me think that I'm the only one going through this. And nobody will ever understand. I can't allow the enemy to cause me to be isolated in my thinking. I gotta seek God so that I can have liberty and I can experience rescue because he's not only trying to destroy me, but he's trying to cause things to be destroyed in the lives of those that come behind me. Every decision that I make to obey God not only impacts me, but it leaves ripples and echoes that will will be sounded and seen in generations and generations and generations to come. So if I can get you to step out in disobedience, if I can get you to deny the premises of God, if I can get you to lay down his image and his likeness, if I can get you, that's what the enemy is saying, to, to let surrender what God has already given you, then I can not only impact you, but I can cause the people that's around you and the people to come behind you to also experience that same thing. Why? Because we're only able to sow that which we have already sowed ourselves, that which we have experienced ourselves. So I'm not able to teach people anything. We're not able to teach our kids something that we haven't experienced. And my kids will relate to money on the way that they've seen their father relate to money. My kids will, will relate to marriage on a way that they've seen their parents relate to marriage. My kids will see that. And so, so it's my job to have a godly marriage so that they understand what marriage looks like and they are a step ahead than what I saw. All I saw growing up, I knew two or three strong marriages and everything else, I saw people shacking. That's what I knew. And that, me and April made a decision. We made a decision. Look, divorce is not an option. We've had some rough patches in our marriage. We ain't always liked each other. We ain't always, uh, we have always loved each other, but we ain't always liked each other. It's been times that we couldn't stand each other. But at the end of the day, we made a decision that we were not going to be divorced. We made a decision that God will guide this marriage. Why? Because we were breaking the curse. Both of our parents were divorced. Neither one of our parents, some of our, I mean, parents weren't married, things like that. So we made a decision. And once we made a decision, it cut off all other options. You ain't really made a decision for God, the Lord to be your Lord, God to be your Lord. See, so you want salvation, you don't want a Lord. You you want liberty, but you don't want deliverance, right? You you don't want to do anything. Like you want healing, but He says stop eating that. But is your healing ain't worth the Twinkie? Okay, then die then. And see that's what you got to understand that God isn't leaving heaven to come down and make you be healed. He ain't leaving heaven to come down and make your marriage whole. He's not leaving heaven to come down and cause your children to be to be obedient. They disobedient cuz you disobedient and you don't spend the time needed to raise them up in the way that they should go. They are byproducts of you. Many people die every day. And God's still God. It's not because God didn't want them to be delivered. It's because they didn't choose. And there wasn't, I mean, and people wouldn't intercede. I mean, it's so much. But God isn't rescuing every situation. You got to do something. You got to persevere. Part of persevering, means I'm not going to, if I got high blood pressure, part of perseverance means that I don't be in there eating saltine crackers all day it means i ain't eating all the salty meat it means that even though everybody else at the barbecue is eating a pork sandwich then i'm over here eating carrots yeah it ain't comfortable yeah i want a pork sandwich too but this is what i gotta do to manifest my healing because this is how god said it was gonna get there but then we mad at god because now i can't eat pork well baby choose Do you want healing or do you want temporary satisfaction of your taste buds? Because you can eat the sandwich, but you can also die. And see, that's just the reality of things. Now, and here's the thing. And I know that's big and in your face, right? It's an example. But it's also true. Uh, Don't get me wrong. Because you got high blood pressure. You know something's off. The Lord told you to go to the doctor. You're not going to the doctor. You finally go to the doctor. They put you on high blood pressure medicine. You talk about you ain't going to take this medicine. Then you talk about how you ain't going to exercise and walk 30 minutes. You ain't going to drink your water. You're not going to eat healthy. Then you let the stress of the job that God told you not to take get onto you. And before you realize you're having a coronary uh, event, all because you did chose not to be obedient. So obedience does lead to death whether that's immediate, whether that's physical now, or the death of the fact that you never experienced God's best because you were never willing to be obedient. All right, let's keep going. We're almost out of time. Your ungratefulness, this is, where we're, this is my last thing anyway. Your ungratefulness extinguishes your passion. Therefore, you don't have any perseverance. Your ungratefulness extinguishes your passion. Children of Israel kept complaining. All right, let's get back to our children of Israel, right? They had left Egypt. But they kept complaining about their current reality, They, even though they had seen all the promises of God. They lost focus on the promise because they focused on their current reality. Well, it's hot out here. Well, well, we don't got everything. So you just gonna bring us over here, Mo? I mean, you just gonna bring us over here so that we could die? Well, there are not enough grazing. I don't got time to go there. I think it's uh, uh, Exodus 17. Or 18, I can't remember the exact scripture, but you're going to, were there not enough graves in Egypt? That's what they asked them. You're just going to bring us out here to die? Now, is this not the same God that showed up and did all the uh, things uh, before? Is this not the same God that told you to put the blood above your doorpost? Is this not the same God that caused the Egyptians to give you their wealth? and their riches, and you exited as, as millionaires and as wealthy people as you left, and though you had been slaves for hundreds of years, is that not the same, God? But because you are ungrateful, because you focused so much on your current reality that you could not, you lost focus of the promise of God, therefore your endurance caved in, therefore your perseverance just Disappear because you can't be ungrateful and persevere at the same time. You can't be ungrateful and press in at the same time. You got to stay focused on the promise. See, the children of Israel overlooked complaining. I mean, overlooked the children of Israel complained about their carry out. Oh, I had said that already. They complained about their can reality because they lost focus of their daily miracles, right? See, not only Jesus said, I'll send you a cloud of fire by night and a, a cloud by day. Jesus fed them manna. Jesus parted the Red Sea. These people seen miracles day after day after day after day, but they still because they focused on their current reality. They still lost focus of the promise, and they didn't get to enter the promised land because they were ungrateful. Are you ungrateful? Have you seen God show up time after time after time after time? But And now you're letting the current reality of the economy, you're letting the current reality of your marriage, you're letting the current reality of your health, you're letting the current reality of your mental health cause you to doubt God when he's shown himself to be faithful? The children, now, oh Lord, I'm gonna message y'all here, all right? I already know it, but hey, the children of Israel devalue their man of God. Though he had performed miracles, though he had brought them out wealthy, though he had parted the Red Sea, though though the pillar of fire and the cloud by day and the man that was a result of the man of God praying and believing, they still chose not to believe him. And their failure to trust their man of God caused them not to inherit the promise. The people yet complained because they were blinded by their own conceit. They were blinded by their own selfishness. They were blinded by their own arrogance and their ungratefulness. Their audacity to receive without putting in the work overshadowed the need to align with the man of God to persevere and to see the promise. Their audacity to receive without putting in the work overshadowed the need to align with the man of God to persevere and see the promise. See, what you think should happen is that Pastor Edwin and Pastor Sean, and when I say man of God, I'm talking about your leader. So for us, it's Pastor Edwin and Pastor Sean. What we want them to do is labor before God. What we want them to do is pray. What we want them to do is fast. What we want them to do is increase partnership. What we want them to do is to take the ministry all over the world and then pastor every church in all seven continents. That's what we want them to do. We don't want to endeavor with them. We don't want to get in there with them and pray. We don't want to get in there with them and fast. We don't want to get in there with them and do all those things. Why? Because at the end of the day, some of you are selfish. Some of you are conceited. Some of you are arrogant and you're just plain on ungrateful. And your failure to to embrace and to value your man and woman of God is one of the reasons that you're not living your best life. And some of you go to churches where you don't even trust a man or woman to God. Find a new place. Go to church somewhere else. If you can't trust your pastor, just go to church somewhere else. Just go to church God, where I need to go, because right here ain't it. So the children of Israel, they were there. They started questioning Moses. They're like, so you just brought us out here to die, man? So, Pastor Edwin, you just gave us this word about this when God in the midst of all concerning thee, and this is a year that God has prepared for us, and we now got five dollar gas. Well, it's going down, some. But now our groceries—I go, I go buy some oranges, some tissues, some paper towel, and a roll of aluminum foil. And it's hundred dollars. So, so, now, so, so, you just brought us out of here and had us all hyped up for nothing, Pastor Edwin. That what we doing? And so. But you didn't. You didn't endeavor. You didn't endeavor. You didn't stick with it. You didn't. You didn't. You didn't persevere in the word because what you thought was that you could just take the word that Pastor ever and Pastor John gave us, and that you didn't have to do anything on your part. Your your prosperity depends on the word that you apply in your life. Not the word that Pastor Sean applies. Not the word that Pastor Chris applies. Not the word that April applies. Not the word that Karen or Everett or Facebook user or Cynthia or Kevin. Not the word they apply. Your life is a representation of the word you have applied. So have you spent time meditating on Isaiah 41 and 10, knowing that you do not fear anything? For the Lord is with me, right? I don't have to be afraid, for he is my God. He'll keep me. His righteous right hand will uphold me. Have you spent time? painting the image of God being a rescuer on the canvas of your imagination that even though in the midst of $5 gas, in the midst of $8 eggs, in the midst of $6 a gallon milk, in the midst of all of that, I know that this is the year that the Lord has prepared for me and he'll see me through. Has the canvas of God's premises, has the premises of God been painted on the canvas of your soul, in your heart so big that anything in the earth seems like only a small blitz compared to the premise that God has told me. See, that's what happened to the children of Israel. They didn't hear the man of God, therefore they didn't prosper and they didn't enter the Promised land. Going over there Second 2 Chronicles 20 and 20. It says, and they rose early in the morning and went forth into the wilderness of Tekoa. And as they went forth, Jehoshaphat stood and said, hear me, O Judah, and ye inhabitants of Jerusalem, believe in the Lord your God, so shall you be established believe in his prophets so shall you prosper my life is better because of the word right i'm established because of the word see the children of israel they got established they got manna if you read the word they talked about how the soles, the soles of their shoes didn't wear out they were healthy they were good they were say they were established right They were established, excuse me, they were established. However, they inherit the premise. See, some of you established, but you ain't prospering. You established, but you ain't overflowing. You established, but you don't see abundance because you're a rebel. You don't want to listen to nobody. You want to be your own man. You want to be your own woman you don't believe in church government i don't even got to go to church right you want to do your own thing and that's okay baby be free be you but please understand that using grace as a cover-up for operating in sin won't let you see god's best and then calling all the pastors False prophets and and poor teachers who call you on your crap, calling them and talking about them for you doing that and saying they are haters and all that, that's only bringing a curse on your life, right? I mean, you can't speak ill of the man of God and think that your life is just going to be great. But at the same time, you got to understand that your prosperity is directly in correlation to your ability to believe what the man of god says so when he lays hands on me and says ralph you'll be a millionaire i receive with the same vigor the word that says ralph you need to stop doing that that's not right son both of those words are equal in importance both of those words are equal in importance the word of correction is as equal in importance as the word of prosperity. Why? Because they're both driving you to the image and likeness of God that he has called you to be. They're equally important. But if you can't surrender yourself, if you operate in ungratefulness, if you choose not to see your man and woman of God and value them for the people that they are, then you fail to be able to receive the words designed to help you see the blind spots in life. Therefore, you find yourself hidden potholes. You find yourself in ditches needing tow trucks. You find yourself not being able to pay your rent. You find yourself getting lights and things cut off. You find yourself being divorced a whole lot more than you should have. Why? Because you simply didn't listen to your man of God in the first place. And then we mad at them because when we come back and need help, then they tell us no. What? I thought the church always supposed to help you. No, no that ain't what the word say. They ain't what the word say. Now, if you want to really go into the word and go over there to Corinthians, you talk about the church says you need to take care of the church, the house first. Well, baby, you ain't listened to nothing that they said. Are you really in the house? Are you really part of this thing? Are you just showing up? Like, are you just showing up? What are you doing? Because there's no obligation. All right, I'm going to leave it alone. So anyway, they didn't inherit the premise, but their shoes also didn't wear down, and they remained healthy. You can live around people. You can live off the faith of other people long enough that you just, you just exist. And you just, you have, you established, right? All those people, all the children of Israel, some of them were just living a better life. They're like, shoot, I ain't no slave no more. I'm good. Shoot, I ain't, I ain't back there uh, making bricks out of straw and and, and dirt. I'm good. So they were just happy with their existence when God wanted so much more for them. But their failure to believe and their failure to remain focused on the promise, and their 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 uh, intent to remain focused on their current reality, caused them to not inherit the promise. And that's what God is saying tonight. I have promises that I want you to inherit now. I have things that I've wanted to get out of gener- out of the uh, family lineage for generations, but I'm looking for a man willing to trust me. I'm looking for somebody willing to persevere. I'm looking for somebody willing to cast aside their own will and make my will the priority. That's what I'm looking for tonight. And, it, and the question is, are you going to be that person who says, God, act, make me the man for my family. Make me the man for this generation. Make me the man for my city. Make me the man for my neighborhood. Heck, some of us just need to be the man in our own house. Make me that man. Make me the husband you've called me to be. Help me to lord over the house that you've called me to lord this house, Father. Give me the patience needed to raise my kids the way that they should go so they may not depart from your word later. Give me the wisdom, the patience, and the insight on how to nurture my wife so that she may become the very thing that you've called her to be. Help us always to support each other and not have any type of... uh, competition among ourselves. Help her to understand that her vision is equally important to my vision and that we are here to help each other. See, some of us as men that you need to focus on our own house. You ain't even a good Lord of your own house. And you out here trying to do extra. Just take care of the first thing first. First things first. The first thing is to get into a place. First thing is to repent. Lord, I forgive, forgive me being lord of my own life. Forgive me for operating in pride and choosing to focus on current realities that I see with my observe with my natural senses instead of painting your vision. Upon the canvases of my imagination and choosing to stare at it every day so that the things I see in the earth dwarf in comparison to the goodness that I know you have for me. Because the only time a person caves in and quits is because the promise that they have, the reality that's in front of them, they feel like it's bigger. You know how runners, when they're running a 100 meter dash, they take off? They ain't quitting. Because every step they take they see the finish line one step closer see you quit because you didn't see the finish line anymore you caved in because you didn't see the victory you already had you let your current reality cause you to surrender and so that's what the lord asked me to talk about tonight but I I'll, I'll challenge some of you you fell. you'll fell off you will fallen off you ain't doing the four things that you were asked to do when Pastor Sean uh, and Bishop Vaughn got together earlier this year and had I mean or last year and talked with us. Um, you ain't spending time in your word every day. You ain't fasting, you ain't uh taking communion, you know, you ain't praying in the Holy Spirit. I mean, let's talk about fasting. Let's talk about Tuesday from eight to eight, Monday night to eight to eight. Let's talk about some basics, right? Our man of God asked us to fast. They didn't even ask us to do a total fast. They didn't even ask us to do, uh, I mean, uh, uh, I mean any type of fast. They just said fast. And how many times have you caught yourself? Oh, well, I forgot. Why? Because it's not important to you. See, what Pastor Ralph is going to give you is the truth. Because this is how God talks to me. And I talk to myself. You can ask okay. I'm just going to give you the truth. You ain't did it because it's not important to you. You didn't forget. You ain't. It's not important to you. Anything that's important to you, you don't forget. Because when it's important to you, you put it in your calendar. You have a Google, uh, be like, hey, this, hey, Google, set a reminder for me to fast every Monday night at 7.50 because it's important to you. And it's not to make you feel guilty, but it is a pl- thing to, for you to locate yourself so that you can know your own reality reality so that you can move forward so that's what we got to do so i challenge you make the you know why the scholarship is important to me besides the fact that I, I love the premise of it it's important to edwin strickland and you people have talked about me most of my life since i've been to church i really don't care my life is better after having sit under his tutelage and and, and hearing from him but the scholarship is important to me because it's important to him. And, and see, that's that's what Jesus did. That's what Mary did. They aligned themselves with their man of God. And see, a lot of you have not aligned yourself with your man and woman of God, therefore, prosperity has evaded you. Yeah, you're living a good life, but you ain't living your best life because you won't let anybody tell you anything. And then every time you get close, every time you get close, offense enters in. That offense is only there to try to drive you away from your prosperity. You need to see the enemy, call him for what he is, sit in the place that God has called you to sit, whether that's FOC, whether that's the church you attend in your local community, and let the pastor grow you up. It doesn't matter if you're more educated than they are, if you made more money than they are. None of that matters in the kingdom of God. What matters in the kingdom of God is who God has placed in the places that He has placed them. And so, that's the word for the night. I pray that well. I pray that you receive it. I pray that I received it because as God talked to me, there's areas that I gotta align myself to better. There's things that I need to do uh, and better. So I'm, it's not just for you, but what but we what we gotta do is quit playing with God and take Him serious. We all do. Not just you, me too. We got we got to take God seriously. We got to do what he asks us to do, the way that he asks us to do it, the time he asks us to do it. And even when contradictory information presents itself in the earth, we got to make the will of God so big, the vision of God so big that we are not moved because of what we see in the earth. The reality that we have painted on the canvas of our imaginations according to the promises of God are so big that the no from the bank doesn't deter me, that the, no from the, uh, that the low credit score doesn't deter me. We got to get out of looking at the promises of God through the lens of the earth and thinking this is the way it got to be done. If God told you this is a year to have a house, then you don't gotta have a good credit score to get a house. People get houses bought for them all the time. You don't gotta have a good credit score to get a, I'm not sure who that's for, but you don't have to have a good credit score to get a house. That's your earthly mind trying to put parameters around the premises of God. You don't have to go through step one, two, three, four, five, six, and seven to get the job that God told you to have. That's earthly parameters that you've put on it, you just receive by faith whatever God has said. And then with faith, we know that he'll give us a plan of action, right? He'll give us wisdom. He'll give us all those things that we need to see it through. All right? He'll give us all those things that we need to see it through. So let's go over these announcements real quick and let's get out of here because we're right at hour five. All right. So I pray that you are blessed by the word. I declare that you will repent And she'll come on home, all right. Some of y'all just need to come forget coming home. Come back to church. Make every service. Come back to church. Be here Wednesday at eight. Be here Friday morning at six thirty a.m. We back. At one point, we had a thirty-day challenge. I challenge you for the next thirty days not to miss a service. Friday morning at six thirty a.m. Set your alarm tonight. Be there. Facebook page. Sunday morning at 9 o'clock, follow Pastor Chris for worship. Sunday morning at 9.30, come back, jump over from Pastor Chris, and come here, Pastor Edwin and Pastor Sean as they probably continue their teaching, living a life of righteousness, right? Monday, join Pastor Sean for Strategies for Success at 12 noon on her personal professional pages. I think YouTube as well. Then Tuesday, come back at 8 p.m. Central Standard Time for prayer. And then Wednesday at 7, get your teens plugged in with the word and have them do Victory Zone on on demand if you got smaller kids. So I challenge you, some of y'all, you ain't been here in a while and and tag your friends who you also know ain't been here in a while because we do love you, but here's the thing. We're going to seek after those who are falling off, but we're going to spend time with those who want to be cultivated and discipled at the same time. So so it's not that Anybody's forgot about, but if somebody's hungry for the word, they need to be fed. And it's our job as pastors to feed them because how can they hear if they don't have a preacher, right? The word comes by faith, but how can they hear the word if they don't have somebody to teach it? So we're going to teach that word, but we hope you stay on the bus with us as we all move towards the prosperity in which God told us to live in and experience. So don't forget about giving at at uh FLC, we have 100 percent tithers. We're not reducing what uh what we're doing because of the economy. You don't got to reduce how you live because of the economy. The economy has nothing to do with the life of a believer. It just doesn't. It doesn't. And I have to tell myself that often. I'm telling you that because I tell myself that often. I tell myself as I went and brought groceries the other day and I spent the money and I was like, dude, I tell everybody, I, was like, I think I spent $500 this weekend in groceries and just things we needed around the house. And I was like, when I look around the house, I don't see a lot. And then I remind myself that it doesn't matter. I don't live by the economy anyway. God will always supply the needs that I have. I've sown enough. Uh, for people to have food I've sown enough for people to have housing I've sown enough for people to have car, Cars and gas I have enough seed in the ground I thank you Lord that it brings harvest So that I always have enough And so that's why we're giving at FOC Because we always have enough We're sowing, why? Because we'll never outdo God's uh, system of sowing Because as we give, he gives back to us Good measure, press down, shake it together Alright, so Give give a five, push, pay, test, leave, to give uh, and things like that. The huddle, Sunday, July 31st at 11 a.m. Join us face-to-face uh, for that. And I think that is our last announcement for the night. Scholarship Drive, July 31st, July 1st, 31st. I'll tell you this, and I and I mean it from the bottom of my heart. Um, guys, as partners, we got to make sure that we stay committed to our ministry and our giving. All right? All um, right. As as a scholarship fund is there, uh, I think if you're in an FOC group, Pastor Evan made a post. I encourage you to go read that post because as a partner, I was like, man, so I'm not going to broadcast it out loud because you're in a group and none know your business. But if you're in a group, go over there and read that because we got to do better as partners. All right. We got to make sure that we're handling our business and doing our part. And part of that is being obedient. And doing the things that we're supposed to do. All right. This is a great year of great progress. We are blessed. We are ready. We are winning. Regardless, he's like, Well, I don't feel like I'm winning. Doesn't matter what you feel like, baby. You are victorious. You're blessed. You're ready. You win. Y'all have a good night. I love you and go do good for God.